So we're in the middle of uh, these three weeks of looking at sins that, sins that perhaps we uh, commit or engage in perhaps our entire lives, but have never really given them much consideration. Haven't There are sins that we maybe don't think of accusing ourselves of. Last week, we looked at gossip, more specifically, the sin of detraction. Uh, the Bible exhorts us the need, the importance of us taming our tongue and how that primarily comes about through the transformation of our heart, because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. This week, we're looking at anger. We may remember that anger is one of the seven deadly sins. If you're like me, like, you know, I hear that anger is a, one of the seven deadly sins. I'm like, how can it be a deadly sin? Because anger is such a common emotion. You get angry. How's it a deadly sin? You know, there's all kinds of research that points to and shows that anger can lead to serious health issues. It can destroy the body, it can destroy the heart. The American Psychological Association mentions and says that anger can lead to serious health issues such as hypertension, heart disease, it can weaken your immune system, your respiratory system, it can weaken your digestive system. All systems are thrown out of whack when anger goes unattended, when it goes unaddressed. It can, one left unchecked, anger can be the silent destroyer that of our physical health. But we know it's not just our physical health about anger. It, it, it impacts, it damages our, our relationships, rifts that are caused by anger that fracture friendships, that damage trust, that even lead to breakdown of families. You know, a priest now, my seventh year, so seven years doing funerals and funeral plan planning, and when it's not uncommon that when a, someone dies in a family and they a family members come to plan the funeral, for you to hear a comment like, hey, Father Mark, I just want to let you know this will be the first time in 10, 20 years that mom and Joe are in the same room together. They haven't talked in years. If you don't deal with the sin of anger, if you don't know about it, if you don't know how to handle it, it will bring destructive forces upon your life. The Bible has a lot to say about anger. So what we're gonna look at this morning is the inherent goodness of anger, where anger goes wrong, and third, our obligations towards anger. So first, the inherent goodness of anger. Similar to last week, we looked at a, a passage in the Bible that doesn't show up on the three-year cycle. And when we come to Mass over the course of three years, we never hear this. So if you don't read the Bible ever on your own, there's a chance that you've never heard this, you've never read this verse, this passage. Paul says in his letter to the Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, he says, be angry, but don't sin. Paul says, the Bible says, be angry. It's like, have your emotion. Like, God created the emotion of anger. 
And at least the onset, the onset of emotion, the initial emotion, as with all the emotions, like it's not something we can control on whether or not it comes or it doesn't come. It just comes. And God, God created the emotion of anger. So like with, with all the emotions, it's about what we do with it. Emotions are neither good nor bad. They're just there and what we do with it. And actually, Paul, not only does Paul, it's not only Paul giving permission for us to be anger, it's, he says, be angry. It's like this imperative. You should be angry at times. St. John Christodom, whose feast we celebrated a couple of days ago, he says this, he sums it up, says, he who is not angry when there is a cause to be angry sins. He who's, who's, who's not angry when there is a cause to be angry, sins. He says, for unreasonable patience is the hotbed of many vices. Right, so just think of like, you know, think of a parent, you know, a parent who isn't angry when they're, maybe when their child is continuing to disobey in such a way that it's going to cause harm to them or it's going to cause harm to those that they're around cause harm to the community. If a, if a parent has unreasonable patience, if they're, if they're not angry in, in this case, that's a problem. It will lead to a hotbed of other vices. Those vices that will continue to come up, that will harm the individual, and not only harm the individual, but elsewhere, when one is not angry when they ought to be. Right? So that's legitimate anger. It's the desire to set things right. That's not the deadly sin of anger. So secondly, where does it go wrong? How does anger go from a God-given emotion in which we can't control the onslaught of whether or not I experience this emotion or not, how does it go from that to a sin, maybe even a deadly sin? Well, Paul continues... He says, be angry, but do not sin. And then he explains, do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Other translation says, and don't give the devil a foothold. So it's that image, right? And you're closing the door and someone puts their foot in and at least a crack in that door. It says, don't do that with anger. Anger becomes a sin, and it, and, and, and it does all those destructive damages to, to our body, to our relationships, when we go to bed with it. Like literally, but what Paul's talking about here is when the anger goes underneath, when it seeps into the heart, and it settles there, I bury it. So it's like, okay, an, an injustice occurred to me. That's why we get angry. Something, an injustice occurred to me. And whether or not it occurred or not, it might just be something that I perceive. I perceive an injustice to me. So the emotion of anger comes, and then we don't reconcile the hurt. We don't attend to the pain. We just bury it. Right? That's where our first reading from, from the book of Sirach says what? The sinner hugs anger tightly. That is, it settles in the heart and I'm just hugging it. 
then that's where we find seeking out vengeance, resentment in the heart, unforgiveness. We form judgments in our hearts. There's where we get in, in the territory of, of anger becoming a deadly sin. When we aren't in control of anger, but, but anger is rather in control of us now at this point. So a question for us this morning, do you let anger control you? Do I let anger control me? And maybe, it's, maybe, maybe you let anger control you in a particular relationship. It's not all the time, but it's, it's this one particular relationship with this person that just ekes me. That's when I have a tendency that I find out that anger controls me. Or it's in a particular environment where anger controls me. It's this one environment in which anger controls me. And maybe it's home. Maybe people at work, people at work would, 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 man, he's, he's never angry at all. He's so, he's in control always. But at home, people are walking on eggshells. What's my relationship with anger? Which brings me here lastly to Aquinas's Aquinas lays out five obligations that we have towards anger. I'm only going to do two. We're only going to say two of them here because I want to sum it all up in three steps. Aquinas says one obligation that we have towards anger. He says, be not quickly provoked to anger. And he mentions Proverbs 12, 16 he's, that says, a fool immediately shows his anger. Why is that? Because, right, anger ultimately, bar the buried kind of anger, the anger that goes in, into the heart, what does it do? It diminishes freedom. He who is, he, he's, who's filled with anger, he's not a master of himself. He, he's not in control of himself. Or Proverbs 27, 3, a stone is heavy and, and sand weighty, but the anger of a fool is heavier than both. The rock that's on your shoulders, the sandbag that's on you, what's it do? It keeps you from running freely. It's heavy. It weighs you down. The anger of a fool is heavier than both. It's like you're walking around with a sandbag on you that's even heavier than, that's a rock on you because you're not, it, 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 it diminishes freedom. Why? What's the point of freedom? Point of freedom is to love. I'm not able to love. I'm not able to be in communion when I got a sandbag, when I got a rock on my shoulders of anger that's buried down within me. The second obligation towards anger that we have towards anger, he, Aquinas says, is to be careful not to let wrath explode into angry words. Proverbs 15, verse 1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stirs up anger. So just, just notice that, right? When you're within the home or wherever you're at, you're, you're, you're with your spouse, you're with your kids, or you're talking to your coworker or a neighbor, right? And something's going down. A soft, a soft answer versus a hard response indicates that conversation, the relationship, that moment going one direction or the other. The emotion of anger, the emotion of anger 
can either lead to intimacy, like recognizing, hey, I'm, I'm angry here. That's, that's me being vulnerable. That's me showing weakness. It, it ain't fun to say I'm angry. It's a moment of vulnerability and weakness. I'm angry. That leads to intimacy with the person here, whether it's a child or a spouse or whatever it might be. Versus a harsh word can either lead to intimacy or can lead to division and separation. It's important to say, though, not everybody deals with anger with, uh, as a, uh, being, being tempted with angry words. Some people, like me, I'm an ultra introvert to the core. And so I'm never tempted when I'm angry to burst out in angry words. But if I bury anger, my tendency is I, I can be silent and give the silent treatment pretty well. Both of those are burying and hugging anger. So just three steps to sum everything up. Three steps, three things that we can take from here, out here today to help transform anger out, out of anger and into, into love. Three steps. One is to name it. To name it, to own it, to acknowledge the anger, to admit it. Someone wrote, this, someone wrote said, name it to tame it. Is, is, is this is say, yes, I'm angry. I'm angry about this. I'm angry about to you. I'm angry about what you did and to sit with it. Go back to what St. Paul says. Be angry, but don't sin. If I don't admit it, if I don't sit with it, if I don't acknowledge it, if I don't name the anger, I'm going to end up hugging it. I'm going to hug it tight. I'm going to end up bearing it. Secondly, after you name it, analyze it. Why am I really angry? What is the real source? When did it start? Have I been angry for a long time? Who am I really angry at? What's causing this? The anger that we hug onto always has a source. If I'm too quick to the anger, the hurt inside will always explode elsewhere. And then the third step is summed up by St. Faustina in her diary, the great, the great antidote to anger to transform the anger. She sums it up by saying, understanding your own, your own misery. Understand your own misery. Looking at what God has done, him going to the cross, our sins, our undeserved anger that we have towards God of putting him to the cross, nailing him to the cross every time we sin, our undeserved anger that we have towards God, he absorbed it. He took it. And on the cross, Jesus not only took our anger in which he didn't deserve, he also took the anger that we deserved. See? Upon the cross, the anger, the punishment, the anger that we deserved, he took upon himself to die for our sins. Over and over and over again, the Bible says the Lord is slow to anger and rich in mercy and compassion. 
You see, receiving that of knowing what it is that the Lord's done for us, of, of, of going to the cross for our sins and paying the penalty, we receive that, we can be transformed by it and extend that mercy and forgiveness to those that wrong us. It's like, Lord, I don't want to have a vengeful heart. I don't want to have resent, resentfulness in my heart. I don't want to have anger in me. I'm going to be angry. I'm just not going to go to bed with it. 